0: Hello and welcome to ClapperCast, a weekly discussion of all things cinema. I'm your host, Carson Tamar, and today on a bit of a bigger edition of the show, I'm happy to be joined by Alexander Holmes.
1: Hey,
2: how are you doing?
0: Hillary White. Hello. Jacob Allen. Happy to be here. And finally joining us, friend of the podcast. Everyone loves him, except of course, Francis Lee. It's Alistair Ryder. (laughs) Uh, Hello, thank you for this introduction. (laughs) Well, award season rolls on, and today we continue our coverage of this exciting time by looking at three decently-sized contenders which have found their way onto VOD. So let's get things started right off the bat with Paul Greengrass's News of the World.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, and I'm here tonight to read the news from across this great world of ours. So they pay you to tell stories. I ain't never heard of that as a thing a man can do. Well, it's not a rich man's occupation, as you can see.
0: News of the World brings to life the story of a Texan traveling across the Wild West, bringing the news of the world to local townspeople who agrees to help rescue a young girl who was kidnapped. Alex, why don't you start off with this?
1: Sure. So, News of the World is this Paul Greengrass's feature. I actually haven't seen too many of his other stuff, you know, some of the Bourne films, and he's known for that shaky cam sort of style, and this film is a lot more subdued than than his other works, at least uh, compared to the Bourne films especially. It's a very uh, sort of slow-moving film, I'd say. It's a lot more um, subdued, and it's a very predictable ride, in my opinion. I think it is a pretty typical Western. It's You know, these two characters are going on this adventure, this journey. They encounter a couple of obstacles along the way. And each obstacle is kind of, you can see it coming, you know, and you can see what's going to happen at the end. I think from the beginning of the film, the relationship between the two characters, the two main characters, Tom Hanks and a girl played by Helena Zengel, you can kind of see where it's going to go. I didn't really see a need for the film to be made. I didn't really see what the real purpose was. There was some thematic elements about, fake news and about, you know, Tom Hanks character is bringing the news to all these people and he's trying to bring them the truth instead of um, an alternate reality. Um, but to me, it kind of felt a little, a little bit shoehorned in. They kind of bring it up in some areas and then it doesn't, and they forget about it. It's not like a, there's not a solid through line, I guess, in that uh, regards to that theme. Um, and so the overall result was just kind of left me a little bit um, unimpressed, I guess. You know, I enjoyed it while it was while I was watching it and there's nothing wrong with seeing a Tom Hanks performance. He's great in this, of course. Um, and and the film looks pretty nice. I would say also the cinematography, there's a lot of uh, nice sunset uh, images um, and the music was good as well, but there's just not much to take away at the end of it. It kind of just comes and goes. And by the end of the film, I just didn't have really any strong uh, opinions about it. Honestly, it was, it was okay. Um, yeah, so that's about my thoughts on it.
4: And uh, yeah, I think I'll just jump in and just pretty much agree with everything that's been said that I mean, it is pretty much the ultimate dad movie of the past year. Um, if your dad doesn't love it, is he really a dad? Um, yeah, it, it, again, it is just a, a very textbook Western that doesn't have anything that specifically really jumped out at me, uh, aside from, you know, the very obvious fake news allegory. But is it's quite pleasant and as it's divorced from like Paul Greengrass's usual shaky cam, it it does feel like a traditional Western rather than him trying to do a Western in his own style. It feels much more indebted to the classics of the genre than I would have expected a filmmaker like him would have made. So, yeah, I had a pleasant time with it, but it really doesn't linger on the memory, even though it has so much about it that is trying to be so timely. So I can just jump in quickly, I guess, because
0: everyone has the genres they love. Everyone has the genres they hate. The Western genre is easily my least favorite genre of film. For some reason, the aesthetic just doesn't work for me normally. Um, It's just it's one of those things that just for whatever reason doesn't normally connect. So I really wasn't anticipating News of the World. I was pleasantly really actually surprised by it, though. Um, I I find it interesting to mention that, you know, it feels like a traditional Western because it felt weirdly engaging for me from the cinematography, which I think is genuinely quite stunning, Uh, the performance by Tom Hanks, which of course is endearing, I mean, it's Tom Hanks, can't really go wrong there. Um, there's something about this film, I think especially with its visual direction that I just found to be really quite engaging and thrilling. I like the action scenes quite a lot here. Um, I think 2020 has been quite a shit year for action if I'm being just completely honest. Um, I think this has some really well put together action scenes. Um, I don't I think it has a ton of really important, you know things to say. There is that allegory as far as fake news and the importance of news. Um, nothing, you know, like you guys said, I agree there where it's not really memorable, but I will say for what it is and for the genre and how I normally feel about these genre films, um, I was actually rather impressed by this one.
2: I have to add to this too that I think it is a dad movie and while I was watching it, I thought it's been a while since I've seen Tom Hanks in anything, which is kind of odd to realize because he has been a lot of movies that I think are targeted more toward that demographic and he is excellent in it and it made me realize that I just hadn't seen a performance for a long time where it's somebody who's gotten on that level where he can communicate a lot through doing very little and saying very little so I felt like I take him for granted a little bit but overall the film made me wonder how Westerns should be handled anymore, or at least historical Westerns, not like gunslinger Westerns, because we're getting to a certain point where, as far as like representation and uh, realizing that there's other people out there who are living out there at that time, it's really tricky as far as like how to represent them. So, I mean, aside from the, the fake news aspect of the film, which uh, has, uh, is pretty hard to miss, I mean, like from the very first scene, there's talk about meningitis killing people. And of course, like his job is delivering the news in real time to people, watching people react kind of reminded me of uh, social media media. immediately. People are just like, like, dislike immediately, all that kind of stuff. And the fallout of the civil war um, affecting people and people still fighting is very um, timely in January, 2021. But it is another, film that focuses on you know European settlers and that kind of thing and what is strange is how the minorities exist in the story but they're kind of nameless and silent or they remain faceless um at one point we see a a body of a lynched man and they never show his face um there's the Kiowa tribe that is a part of the story and they're kind of seen from far away and their silhouettes and stuff um so while I was watching, I was thinking, like, I wonder if the storytelling needs to change a little bit because it's it's really hard as far as like visual representation. Is it a sensitive way of handling things by like not including people who have who are suffering a lot, or is it erasure? And I'm not sh- I'm pretty sure that I'm not the person to weigh in on that. Um, the setting is in Texas, and of course, there's like a lot of references to you know slaves and mexicans and indians i say that with quotes around it and it's kind of depicted as the dark heart of america in the film which i found kind of interesting but because it's um it's a tom hanks film you know that you're relatively safe and i think that's why it's a safe bet and for a lot of people who are in that demographic that it's marketed toward so it you just you're you're kind of going through the motions a lot of stuff that's familiar. You guys brought up the action sequences. I think the part that I liked the most was an action sequence, I'd say like maybe a little bit before the mid-mark where they're on the run from some characters who are pretty much stock villains. So you're like not invested in them at all. They're not very interesting, but it's like, how are they gonna get out of that situation? And uh, I really, really like scenes like that where characters have to improvise and work with the very little they have or they they, um, might get killed. it kind of reminds me of, um, you would see a lot of that on Breaking Bad, for example, where the characters would get painted into a corner and it's like, all right, this is what you've got. Maybe it'll work. And uh, there is something in, in one of the scenes that I won't spoil, but I had to look it up and th- figure out like, is that possible? And it is, it is possible, um, which kind of blew my mind. I thought that's incredibly clever. So there's little moments in this that are pretty, interesting and um i have to talk about uh is it i don't know whether to say it's helena or uh, helena zengel um who's a german child actress i saw her in system crasher last year and it was one of the most amazing child actor performances i would ever seen in my life and it seems like this role was written for her i don't think there's anyone else who could have taken this on and was perfect as far as like the time, because this is our first English speaking film. So being on a set, English is not her first language. She's playing someone whose first language is German and then Kiowa and eventually English. So a lot of that um, bleeds into the film and seems quite natural and real. So it's beautiful to look at. The performances are great. The story, I think that story is where it suffers a little bit, Um, but yeah, everything, the casting, there is, I'll finish by saying this there's a few scenes with ray mckinnon in it he plays the friend who kind of takes in the girl for a while and um before uh tom hanks goes on uh, the road with her and he's an amazing actor um if you want to go back and see his work in deadwood season one i would say definitely check that out um he's more than just a character actor and i would also check out this short called the Accountant, I think you can watch it on Amazon or Tubi right now, he was—he uh, stars in it, he wrote it, he directed it, it co-stars Walton Goggins and it won an Academy Award for the best narrative short. And that, yeah, if you want to see something that is the opposite of news in the world, where it's like familiar settings, but you're just like, I have no idea what's going on and I'm really, really freaked out right now, I would say uh, check out Ray McKinnon's work. So using that as a three point to like seeing something more interesting. I thought I would bring that in.
3: Yeah. So based off what I heard you guys say, I'll add on, I agree that there's about three action scenes in this movie that are, they're top notch. It it shows um, Paul Greengrass's, his skills from you kind of see from born. It's like, Oh, this is, he's a good, great action director. But I think outside of those three scenes, I, Hillary, I, I agree with the one scene you're talking about where they're they're backed into that corner. I mean that is that 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 was my favorite part of the movie. That's that's definitely worth the watch for that. Um, but overall, this movie to me was very boring. I think it is set in Texas. It was about as exciting as my eight-hour drive to Austin, Texas. Um, and this is only a two-hour film. I think it it needs urgency. The plot doesn't really call for it. There's no frank miller showing up at noon that's gonna get out of jail and there's gonna be a showdown like high noon um there's really no just it seems like this this trip could be to maine and they could it it could be the same exact outcome it would just be every stop oh let's read the news maybe have some trouble but there's really no they don't have much um there's just no reason to get there quick and i think the movie could um it would benefit from a, a reason to speed the trip up. But outside of that, I do think Tom Hanks was, he was very good in this movie uh, for people watching out for the Academy Awards, it, knowing their love for him. It does seem like he could sneak in that best Oscar race in a year. That's not as strong. Um, I know Tom Hanks usually he, he seems to sneak in quite often in that, supporting actor it's been i believe at what 20 years since the last time he was in lead it's been a long time so it could it does seem like they're if they put together a good campaign he could sneak in with their love um but overall i just i just think yeah there's the fake news it seems like they were kind of going off of there's that thing of like she was raised by Indians and some people don't like that. And I think um, it's like Tom Hanks learns as a character and other people learn as a character. Oh, she has both cultures. That's a really good thing. I think they could have tapped into that more. I agree with Hillary. It would have been nice to have some Native American characters like along the journey. I would I would say overall as I mean, as a Western, it's, it's nowhere near the top. It's definitely for the modern day Westerns, Christian Bale's Hostiles tops this film in every single way. And I think um, I just, it wasn't for me. And I, I am a big Western guy. So that's interesting, Carson, that it's not your favorite genre, but you were like, oh, this works for me, but I like it. I'm a big um, Once Upon a Time in the West, anything. Um, I mean, between that, I'll, I'll watch anything. So that's why I was excited for this. I love Paul Greengrass. I, I like uh, his Jason Bourne films, but th- this just was not for me. I think it definitely is worth the watch though, especially in a year that didn't give us much. It's it's definitely, um, it's worth it's worth Tom Hanks.
0: I think maybe that's why I was just intrigued by it and I enjoyed it so much is because this year has been so little when it comes to like big budget period pieces. I think that's one thing that immediately stuck out to me is it's just so refreshing seeing like, Big names and like this actual big period piece with like a real budget. And it's like, this is a real film. Like, in a year where so many films are kind of stripped down and quieter and more focused and slower and, you know, just smaller films, you have Nomad Land, uh, Malcolm and Marie, you know, like it's really nice seeing a period piece, like a legitimate period piece because what it's been since Emma, probably like that's the other main one I can think of from this year. And normally in award season, there's like two a week because everyone makes a period piece around award season, um, which I think also could just help it with award season is the fact that this feels like a legitimate big film. And it's not a Netflix film, at least in America, it went to Netflix internationally. Um, but it, it definitely felt refreshing, I think, because of the scale and just what it was in the year it was released. I am curious if it would stand out as much to me if it was just a normal year. Uh, going to what Hillary said, I just want to quickly back up where she said the casting was fantastic. I think Tom Hanks is the perfect casting for this film. I genuinely don't know if many other actors can capture his character quite how he does, because this is quite a unique performance for him. And he has this perfect kind of mixture of he's getting older, he's aging. Um, He isn't necessarily someone you expect to see in these action sequences, like you mentioned. I agree that one shootout where they're cornered and they're running, that's really fantastic. Um, And he seems in some ways really out of his element, but in like the perfect sense. And I just can't really think of many other actors at this stage in his career and just like who he is, where I think he fits into the story perfectly. It's a very rough puzzle piece to fit in. He's not who you expect in this kind of role, but I think he is perfect for it. So I agree the casting is pretty flawless, I would say.
1: And just to echo what Carson was saying about um, the scale of it, I was was actually lucky enough to see this in theaters. I don't know if that was a smart decision on my part, but... um... There were there weren't too many other people in the theater, but I I was just struck by those shots, the vista shots of, you know, it almost looked like a drone shot of them, you know, of them traveling on their wagon, you know, along the trail, and it really did look spectacular. Um, and I, I was I was happy I got to see that in theaters. Um, it definitely feels feels really big, and I really like that. Um, then also going back to what Hillary and Jake were kind of saying earlier about the action, um, I, I definitely agree with it. His his direction is is quite strong here. I think it. Um, in that one scene you were mentioning, the one where they're kind of stuck in, you know, between a rock and a hard place, uh, quite literally, actually, I guess, They, um, the way he frames the shots, you can actually see where, where the character, where Tom Hanks is and where the villain is. And it, it's just really marvelous how he does that. He's able to, um, I feel like a lot of directors would show, you know, one shot of each character and kind of cut between them, but he's able to show both in the same frame. And so you can get a sense, a real ge- geographical sense of, you know, where the threat lies and and where these characters are going to go, what's going to happen next. And I really enjoyed watching that, especially on the big screen. I could kind of see it all before me. Um, and I really liked, yeah, I think that was a really, um, a great um, job on Greengrass's part. And then also what Hillary was saying earlier about the um, kind of erasure of, of non-white people in the story. I think it also speaks to, uh, this film is set in like, you know, the reconstruction era, which is a really interesting time period. And I think the film kind of loses its uh, opportunity to explore that period, time period, by focusing on the characters who we kind of have seen before. You know, Tom Hanks, I mean, the old guy and then the, the girl, their their story is very predictable. It could happen in any time period, honestly. And the story loses a lot of its, it could have a lot of thematic um, relevance to today's period, like you were saying, Hillary. I think. Uh, but it kind of just doesn't, opt not opts not to do that. And I think that was really disappointing to see. Um, yeah, the Reconstruction Era was a really, uh, pivotal time period honestly um for the country and it could have explored it a lot better definitely had uh the opportunity to um include also people who are not white and it kind of did not do that so i wish it had
2: i have i have a admission to make i i did see it in a theater yesterday as well but uh <clears throat> and uh, it paid off in a big way because you do get to see The performance is a lot more close up and uh, I noticed things that I don't think I necessarily would have noticed if I had watched a screener or heaven forbid on my phone. Um, (laughs) So that was a, that was a big difference. Uh, We do have like a, I live in a small town. We have a theater that's very sparsely attended. So if I go see a movie, there's like no one in there with me. Uh, So it is a bit safer to go right now, but overall, I mean, of course I would tell um, anyone listening that to not go to a theater. Uh, <laughs> uh at this at this point in time unless you feel very safe uh, there's we were talking a little bit about it being safe and I, I think I think it is the one thing that I did observe is that it's like it's kind of it's like the searchers a little bit but it's less racist and uh, <laughs> but it's not as um stark or gritty as uh, the Con brothers um, remake of true grit so it seemed like it was kind of um it's kind of its own thing and It made for an interesting experience. There were some things that were unintentionally funny. There's the one character, I think his name is John Callie, the young guy they pick up for like five minutes and then drop him off. And uh, like right before he leaves, I thought, is this a joke? A little bit because his mannerisms and everything, I thought he's probably like an ancestor of uh, Matthew McConaughey a little bit. Like I almost expected him to like say, all right, all right, all right, while he was reading the newspaper or whatever. but overall, I think what hurts this film is that it is going to be pretty forgettable. It's solid, but it's forgettable. I think other than the one sequence we've talked about, we are being mum about, I don't think we want to spoil it because I think overall, that's the reason to see the movie. is just a, an action sequence or two. And, uh, and of course the performances, but overall it was, it was a predictable experience, but pretty harmless. I would say if you do want something that's safe or you do want to watch with your mom and dad, this is the movie to watch.
3: I'll just say, I'll add on top of that, that I mean, that true grit, I, I was thinking this is like a B true grit. And I mean, that Cohen's true grit is already a remake. So those of us that want the Western genre to come back, this film did not help our case. That is just, come on. So this is a plea. Chris Nolan, Tarantino, get out there. Someone help us get the Western back. And th- this will not do it.
2: I didn't think of this as a western at all. I thought of it more as like a period piece. Did you guys feel the same way?
0: It felt more period piece than western to me. Yeah,
2: a drama, a period drama, a little bit, but it's not like all stuffy and everyone's in corsets or anything. They're on the move, but yeah, there's there's other stuff out there. There's more interesting things to to see. But I, I guess as far as 2020 and the western genre, I, like in the back of my mind, I was like, I've seen a few westerns recently that are pretty interesting, but they're like 2018, 2019, that kind of stuff. So I guess 2020, just wasn't that genre's year.
0: I think that there's something to say like, if you're watching this from home, there's other options that are better. Like I, you might as well just stream, like if you're gonna go to the big screen, yes. But like, I would say if you're at home watching this, like on VOD, um, just watch something else and it's cheaper to watch something else anyway, so.
2: Yeah, I would say like, uh, if you wanna see Westerns that are really kind of strange, like the th- two that come to mind, actually there's three and I might not be remembering the title of one. I'd say like, check out the kid that was directed by Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, that has some really odd performances in it. You have Ethan Hawke, uh, Dane DeHaan and you have Chris Pratt playing a villain that you like, I bet a lot of people watched it and then like near then they were like, was that Star-Lord? Cause he has like, a, <laughs> he was like a really dark character and he has like this really disturbing monologue near the end that's worth watching the whole movie for. There's Damsel um, by the Zellner brothers. I hope I'm remembering their name right um, with Robert Pence and Mia Vasikowska. That's really odd. And uh, In the Valley of Violence, which also has Ethan Hawke in it, which is kind of like John Wick, but in a Western, it, it, like you know how it's gonna go, but you're like, this is st- still fun and it is. So I would say watch those if you want something older, more edgy.
1: Just to add to that list also for very edgy, I guess, but uh, Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> is a, film a few year, oh man i cannot get it out of my head and i kind of wish i could um <laughs> definitely a very very the opposite of news of the world i guess that's that's the if, if news of the world is the dad film this is the film you don't want to watch with your parents at all
2: yeah um, watch we it was with, like it was uh, your insane uncle
1: yeah yeah exactly
4: one thing that i will say and this is just a very minor pet peeve is the fact that all of the marketing for the film says introducing uh helena a even though she's already been in uh system crasher in the lead role and that's a massive pet peeve when it says introducing somebody who's already been introduced in a different film but that's nothing to do with the quality of the film itself that's my anger at the marketing
3: okay i was and confused what? when hillary said that because i said the trailer said introducing what
4: yeah no the tra- <laughs> the trailer is lying and uh, it it needs to be called out for this because yeah, System Crash it was like Germany's Oscar submission last year. So people have seen it Uh, and I, I, yeah, I I don't understand why they're just erasing it from history. Uh, And yeah, she's an
0: American. So does it really count as cinema, you know?
2: Yeah, Yeah, maybe, I I don't know, but one pet peeve of mine and I don't know why they did this. And I think it's because I saw it in a big screen is they drew fle- uh, freckles on her face they drew freckles on her and uh and it's not like normal freckles it's like like one <laughs> you can't see me but it's just like they put like random dots like over her nose and for a while it's like i don't think she has those and then i looked at pictures when i went home and she doesn't have them and i have no idea what they put them on her face it was not relevant to the story or her heritage or anything at all like um it wasn't even mentioned in the script or anything so that was my pet with the film was like, why did you draw freckles? And like, they don't even look natural. It's like someone just took a graphic pen and like just threw them on her face.
1: But that, that does remind me, there was something else I saw because I saw it in the theater, I think it was worse, but there was this one moment of, of CGI, very obvious CGI. And it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. I mean, you know, the film was kind of very grounded. And then this one moment, it didn't even feel like it needed to be CGI. Like, I feel like you can pull that off, you know, what they did. Um, I mean, it's a very minor thing. It doesn't really affect much, but just a minor gripe.
3: A big reason I think it's set in Texas. Um, I'm not sure, like the news and stuff when they're all shocked and they're like, no, we don't want all this. Texas was the last state to be reached by the union after the civil war. So that's kind of like why the news is a little more shocking and slower to get there. So that's just like, that's just one thing. It was the, it was the last state to be reached by the union. So they were, and also Texas it it's the most like independent they've been ruled by like six they they take their state pretty seriously here so it's like a very it's a very texas movie it's it's interesting
0: okay and moving on to our favorite streaming service netflix that we never have any issues with for any reason let's talk about the white tiger
1: when i first saw him
2: i knew then this was the master for me Want
1: to be a driver for your son. Hey, how much
2: work? Don't do that. <laughs> hey, driver! I'm Pinky,
4: nice to meet
0: you. Balram, have you ever seen a computer? We had many of them in the village with the goats. Okay. The goats are pretty advanced to use computers. Okay, now you're being a jerk. In The White Tiger, an ambitious Indian driver uses his wit to escape from poverty and rise to the top in an epic journey based on the New York Times bestseller. I might as well start off with this one considering I'm doing the review for the website. The White Tiger I found to be a very interesting experience. I can't say I'm the biggest fan of this film. Um, There's a lot of very confusing choices when it comes to editing and style. Um, The story for the most part, at least for the first half, let's say, I found to be decently engaging. I think the performances are solid, um, but it feels a little bit messy when it comes to actual craft. And then you get to the second half, which I think is genuinely quite, number one, wild, but number two, it just goes off the rails when it comes to thematic you know, exploration and just quality, I would even say. Um, this is a film attempting to be a look at you know, what you have to do to rise up in the world and to get power and to rise above your status. But it creates a character that I don't think fully understands and comes to terms with the consequences of how he's chosen to do this. Um, and it just continually for a story that this felt very safe in the first half and it felt very much like we were going on a natural trajectory with this character of him just being smart and over and out thinking the system um, almost to an inspirational matter and then you get to this second half where just shit goes wrong every five seconds and it's just like craziness where I think it just loses the plot if I'm being just completely honest Um, I don't think the film is a disaster by any means I still think it's rather you know fine um it i it just felt very disconnected i think between the first half and second half and largely my issues with it oh it kind of feels messy it just kept getting bigger and bigger until i think the film overall narratively is just a mess Um, i'm very curious what you guys have to think about
4: this one um, so I will just start off by saying that because this is so tied to the Indian caste system, which I guess is very close to the, the class system, generally, but is its own completely different thing. It's in a, in a way there are so many themes here that is hard for you know Western audiences to sort of unpack what it's trying to say, and tying it to the class system might not be the best parallel. So I'll, I'll, I'll just sidestep that and just say that, uh, that the director. Uh, uh, Ramin Barani. I mean, he previously, I mean, has made several films uh, tying various big real-world political situations into humanist stories. Uh, his last film was a uh, "99 Homes" with uh, Andrew Garfield and Michael Shannon, which was essentially about the the housing crisis following the uh, the economic crash of 2008, and tying that directly to this humane character study and. It's clear that that is what has interested him in this material here. But I think that what you said, Carson, is entirely true. The fact that this is a very human story that's very much tied to this real world political thing, but it keeps growing and growing and getting more and more unruly in a way that seems close to something like The Wolf of Wall Street than a more contained humanist drama. Um, I haven't read the novel and everybody who has read the novel and seen the film has told me that the novel is much better so i can't really judge on that front but it does seem like it is trying to take something that worked very well on the page and make it cinematic in a way that doesn't fully gel even though i did enjoy my time with it
2: i, I have to add to that because your your remarks about the cast system that's one of the first things that i started writing down in my notes was this it's yeah the film was a very interesting animal like and no pun intended actually is because you know it's a film depicting Indian life but it's being released on Netflix and it's meant for western audiences um and I don't know how accurate it might be or how um or you know yeah exactly I was having a hard time and packing was trying to say like I I almost want to look up and see if there's like um Asian film podcasts or um Indians reactions to this like whether um as as far as terms of accuracy or Whatever the film's trying to say, if it um, was successful or not. Um, so I don't, yeah. Without that context, you don't know whether the film rings true or false. All you have is the story, and you know, all I could think about comparing it to was Western examples. Uh, but it's it's very strange. The entire f- film is supposedly correspondence between an Indian entrepreneur to a Chinese premier, but it's in English, so that's confusing as well. And um, it does have a very interesting viewpoint as far as like it's bookended with the idea that America is over and wasted away and kind of like um, viewing America the same way that Westerners have dismissed the third world for such a long time. Um, But even though it is taking place in um, a certain environment and this caste system, which someone like me is not very familiar with, there's still things that are pretty universal you know there's like a young man's ambitions being thwarted because he was born in the wrong class you know there's the scene where he says you know I was never saw the inside of a school again when he's I've never saw the inside of a school again and suddenly you know he's breaking down rocks or coal and uh loses his father all these things are pretty familiar like so sometimes you I would get kind of like oh I it seems like it's reflecting like a dickens novel like great expectations or something but then it starts turning into something totally different you know like um like bellamy which is a, a novel about a guy who basically is a poor soldier and like sleeps his way to the top or uh the talented mr ripley especially with like i kind of wonder why they put this in and they pulled it back where it seemed like maybe the main character uh ballroom was um, attracted to his employer ashok and it doesn't go anywhere there's like voiceover like that's the first time he touched me or I could smell this perfume and um but then it doesn't go anywhere which is very strange it becomes more concentrated on his moral ambiguity and his scheming and climbing the ladder so overall it does become a lot more like the of Mr. Ripley and even there's there was even shades of like Dan Gilroy's Nightcrawler um, I don't want to spoil like how there's reflections like that, but it is about like the moral degradation of somebody who just doesn't want to be poor so badly he's willing to do anything. Uh, so, once again, kind of like News of the World, it's the story has a few issues, but the performances are great. The main character, the actor they got from um, Adush Gorov, I that's a very hard role to play and they got the right guy to do it because it's very very hard to play a role where he looks young and non-threatening and can even seem like the butt of a joke and kind of like silly sometimes like you kind of get like why he's so prone to abuse and all he has to do is change his facial expression and he becomes very scary he's playing a snake in a way kind of like if you poke it enough times it's gonna we're back and bite you and give it all you got. So it's a very difficult role to play. I think as far as how the film succeeded or didn't succeed, I think his performance is great. But overall it was it was more engaging than I thought it was gonna be. I was definitely invested the whole time, but at the same time, I think it kind of falls into that same category of like, oh, I know what's gonna happen. And oh, this is gonna be horrible and you know, that sort of stuff. So there was a lot of familiarity, but overall um, I'd say kind of, it's pretty solid. I'd say it's more solid than News of the World as far as um, um, engagement. So like maybe a solid B.
1: I definitely, I agree with kind of everything that's been said but I think I like it maybe a little bit less than than, uh, everyone else, I think. Um, For me, the film reminded me in a very bad way of Joker in terms of a film that's, trying to, seems that's um, trying to act smarter than it is, I guess, about society. And maybe that's because I don't fully understand the cast system, but to me, it just felt like very obvious realizations, like, oh, we live in a society, you know, that sort of stuff where like, um, I don't know, the, the system is kind of broken, you know, obviously. And I don't know, and I think it's really not helped along by the sort of very o- obvious and, and not subtle at all um, narration which I thought really, I wouldn't, I want to ruin the film, but I think just unnecessary. And um, I, for example, I wrote down a couple of lines, like that were just so obvious, like it, they, there was a piece of narration where he says, I leaned back as far away from his face as possible while he's doing the action. Like, it's just like obvious. I mean, like, why, why do you need the narration if the character is literally doing that in front of you? And then there are also lines about, you know, the class struggles, I guess, that, that the character goes through that I felt didn't need to be in there. I didn't like the framing device also. It was just, felt kind of strange like like heather was saying it why why are you emailing the, the chinese premiere and um also especially given where that character is at that point in time it seemed like he was a lot farther than he was in the sense i don't want to spoil anything so kind of hard to talk about but um that that whole part just seems strange to me i don't understand why they did it um it also gave the film a kind of it, it felt like a, a storybook in the sense that you weren't really in the events, like it wasn't visceral, at least, I guess it gets more visceral towards the end, you know, when, you know, like you said, Carson, and when the film kind of shifts, I guess. Um, but it, for a lot of it, it felt like we're just listening to events being described to us. And like the narrator like says, I did this and then I did this, and then I was going to do this. And I thought about this um, and on and on. And it didn't, so I wasn't very invested in it, I guess, uh, from that standpoint. Um, I did like the cinematography at times like there were some shots of him especially um, you know the in the the current the present day scenes I guess of him like standing just looking very imposing I appreciated the colors were quite nice I guess in those scenes and I also like the music also it was kind of um, a little percussive at times sometimes had like a synth beat that I I thought was nice like a little pulsing thing Um, so I appreciated that but overall it just felt like a very familiar story that's just too broad to really be uh relatable and I honestly I think it should have been a lot more specific and um and maybe that is again like I said because I don't understand the cast system fully but I guess maybe after watching a film like this you would understand it more and I and I don't feel like I do um so yeah I don't I think it was pretty underwhelming for me and I wasn't really all that uh interested it it was kind of boring to me
3: Sadly I was unable to catch up with this one before the podcast but it, I mean Hearing it, it does. I will still watch it. From what I've heard, it sounds exciting. Um, I it was on my radar. Uh, the one thing I will add, Priyanka Chopra, I I've liked her since she starred in Quantico, so I, I'm excited to see her in this. I'm not sure how she did. But she's usually a pretty good actress. Um, but yeah, everything you guys said, it sounds like. It sounds like there's a lot of things to get out of this movie. If Whether that's a positive or a negative, it sounds like maybe it should be more specific, but it's something that um, it seems like could be uh, interesting. Yeah, thank you.
2: Well, she's key to the film. She's in some ways kind of a catalyst, and she's also kind of like a, an outside viewpoint because she's somebody, she plays a character who I believe is, was raised in New York and visiting India with her husband, and so she does add some contrast to the film. She does a good job, uh, but I don't think she's in the film enough. <laughs> she kind of, um, she's there and then she's not there, which is kind of a disappointment.
1: Yeah, I think her character and, and her husband, Ashok, are, are the two most interesting uh, characters in the film. They felt like they actually had some some nuance to them in terms of, they, like uh, they seem like these very nice people, you know, Americans who like want the best for Um, you know, the servants, basically, they don't want them to be servants, but then there's sort of some like under, you know, the dark underbelly, I guess you could say, Um, but I don't think it was handled in a very graceful way. I think um, I kind of compared this part to Parasite in terms of like the family in Parasite, you know, the rich family is not, they're not the villains. They're just, they're just rich. It's all about the system. But I think this film kind of makes the, um, these two characters too villainous in a sense that, like it's too, yeah, they're two, two-faced, it's, it's very obvious. I think they're, um, they're sort of scheming, sort of not very, I, I don't know how to put this, but um, I just think they should have been a little bit more subtle about it and a little bit more, um, yeah, pretty much subtle. I think you're it? hitting
0: it out of the park with these comparisons, because I feel very similar both to Joker and Parasite in ways with this film. Not to offend anyone who likes Joker, but coming out of the film, I realize I feel exactly the same here as I feel as Joker, which is it's trying to be smart, but ultimately it's a rather worthless experience. Um, it's a film that has it acts like it has something to say, but when you really try to apply it to like the real world, it lacks nearly any nuance or importance or actual takeaways. I genuinely don't know what the film wants me to like wants the audience to take away from this film. Cause like it is so fictional you can't really be like oh you have to be terrible to rise up in the world like I don't think it's applicable to like real world and what just life is it's similar to Joker, I think Joker is a completely worthless experience. So I I fully agree with that statement. And with Parasite, I think that's an interesting comparison because I think for every reason Parasite works so well is why this film doesn't work. Um, Not just with the family uh, that the main character encounters, but with the main character themselves. In Parasite, yes, they end up doing pretty terrible things, but it demands understanding, it demands sympathy. Um, And the characters pay, they have consequences and they truly pay for those and they have to live with their choices for better or for worse. In this film, that simply isn't the case. You don't have this main character who has to deal with his consequences, who has to really accept what he's done, um, have that moment of self-reflection. And I don't think this is a character, it doesn't feel for the large majority of the film, like he demands that level of sympathy or understanding. So I think you're really killing it with these comparisons.
1: Thanks, yeah, and just to to add to that, um, I think that character decisions also are a lot, communicated a lot more clearly in Parasite. Uh, I understand completely why certain characters do certain things, especially towards the end of the film, without any dialogue even. Like it was just a gesture, a certain gesture that sets somebody off, and you understand why, because there's a clear through line, like you understand this, um, this is why this character feels that way. But in this film, it's, uh, They have a lot of the the narration doesn't help because the narration kind of, he explains his own reasoning and the reasoning itself is also just like, I want to get to the top, you know, it's not, it's not anywhere as uh, interesting or like you said, like real world, like applicable. It's not like, like, I don't think there are, are, his motivation in this movie is, seems to be at least, you know, I just wanted, I always wanted to be um, at the top of, you know, I just wanted to get to the top and that's just seems kind of fake. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems not very um definitely not very relatable and and uh, certainly not applicable to any real world scenarios
2: there's that uh, metaphor in the film about a rooster in a cage and it kind of like a a little bit about learned helplessness not necessarily even just applying to indian culture but it's something that can you can find just about anywhere where there's people who are very resigned to um the abuse they have to take order in order to survive there was There were aspects of the film that I was curious about as far as uh, the threat that hangs over an employee and his family if he does anything wrong. Um, I don't want to spoil that, but it did make me wonder if in the caste system, getting very simple work has that high of a risk um, in your family that everyone can um, suffer the consequences of an action that you've taken or a mistake that you've made. The last shot of the film. I think for a lot of people, it probably didn't work, but it did make me wonder if what we were supposed to be looking at was a whole bunch of roosters in a cage that that's that there's more people just like uh, ballroom that Are willing to do the same thing, which is um, Which is pretty loaded. I don't know if that's particularly true either. It's, it does make me wonder though, like if that's overall what it's saying is that if you make people desperate enough, they'll do terrible things. But at the same time, even near, by the end of the film, I, there's a, I can never suspend my disbelief enough to think that he is gonna get away with everything. It's like, that's, that house of cards he's built is gonna fall down. It's just not in the film. There's just no way that he's gonna be able to get away with what he's done. For as long as uh, he thinks he is, uh, and I think that if the film had gone on longer, or maybe the story had been shifted a little bit to show what happens as far as that falling down, that would have been a lot more interesting. But we don't see that, and who knows? Like News of the World, that's based on a book too. This is based on a book. Maybe in the the novel, there's there's more about that, but in the film, you just don't you don't get that um, that payoff.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think there was some sort of structural, there was some structural issues for me, I think that prevented it from kind of fully exploring that arc and that would have been a lot more interesting. Like for example, I think the beginning of the film and the end of the film, like cram a lot into like those 20, the opening 20, the last 20 minutes. And then the middle of the film feels like uh, just a, an expanded version. Like it's way too slowed down. You know, it could have been told in like half the amount of time. And I think they could have, you know, left time at the end of the film to explore that rise and and the fall too, that would have been a lot more interesting and compelling, I think. Um, but there were a couple of points, I guess, that were a little bit interesting. Like Hillary said, I think that moment about the family—that's—that was pretty interesting to me. I didn't—I didn't know that. You know, I—that was, um, I guess, one of those specific details that kind of helps. And then there was also one line: um, "Do we loathe our masters behind a facade of love, or, or you know, do we love our masters behind a, fa- a facade of loathing?" Which was a sort of interesting line, I think at least compared to like some of the other lines, it was just so much more deep. Like there is one line, like what is a servant without a master? Just like you've heard that a million times. But I think this one was um, kind of made me think a little bit. So I think there are, there are nuggets of, of um, something of relevancy in, in the movie. It just doesn't quite fit them all together, I guess.
4: Yeah. And I think that the ambiguity when it comes to sort of the morality of it all and not showing his fall is another case of like the director trying to fit adapt this book as a sort of Scorsese like tale and it just it it doesn't really come come off that way um but I say I I admire the ambition but it is just a case of every single second I was spent watching this I knew for a fact it would be so much better on the page
0: see I really don't know actually if I agree that it would be better on the page because I think the biggest issue continually with the film is that it puts you too much into like the mind of this character and kind of explaining how he feels and it, like so much of that narration I think you go without I think this is a film that would be so much better if it just cut that and you had to just observe and kind of slowly get to know this character and slowly kind of understand how he feels with a book you almost I mean primarily you take place in the character's mind with the narration so I don't know it would be a different experience I don't know if it'd be better or worse but I feel just initial gut reactions that it would actually be worse but i also agree i've heard every like anyone i've heard talk about the book says it's better than the movie i haven't read the book to be very clear so like maybe it is better um my initial gut reaction though is like this probably would be better as a film but just like a better made film than this
4: uh all i all i want to do is end by saying that you know i i was you know still very positive on the film and you know, I'm almost disappointed that I liked it because the shite tiger was a pun that I could have used um, if it was bad, but unfortunately not, that pun can't be used.
0: Well, on that note, uh, please don't cancel us. Uh, any, actually just any filmmaker when Alistair's on, just please don't cancel us. He's not technically part of Clapper, so just don't cancel us, cancel him. Um, let's round up our discussion though on that point with the film that Film Twitter hasn't stopped talking about for weeks. Promising young woman. Let's get into it.
3: Whisper something in your ear. Good God almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It was a perverted thing to say. You'd think you'd learn by that age, right? Please lie down.
2: What are you doing? It's okay,
4: hey, you're silent.
2: What are you doing? Hey, I said, what are you doing?
0: In Promising Young Woman, a young woman who is haunted by a tragedy in her past takes revenge on the predatory men unlucky enough to cross her path. Uh, Hillary, why don't you start us off with Promising Young Woman? What were your thoughts on this one?
2: I think my experience with the controversy starting the film began when I edited the Global Film Podcast for... Uh, well, as a part of Clapper for this one. And I was surprised by the negative reactions to the film, especially because the negative reactions were with women. Uh, I didn't anticipate that and I found it very interesting. Uh, it was interesting to also hear the reasons why they didn't like it. And uh, it, yeah, it kind of took me back a little bit because even when I was listening to their, um, their arguments, which I totally respect and, uh, and uh, find uh, definitely worth exploring, I felt like, I think they didn't under, quite understand the film. And when I finally did see it, strangely enough, I, I went to my local theater that's very empty with two guy friends of mine, they wanted to see it. And I warned them before we went, I'm like, guys, this is really heavy. This is not what you think it is. And they were like, no, no, we'll go and see it. And uh, they're fortunately uh, mature enough. They, they really, really liked it and respected it. I did too, but it's a tough film. It doesn't give audiences what they expect or what they want, and that's a very difficult hand to play. Uh, The one thing I could tell people who didn't like it because I think when you're watching a film, I mean, you're looking at a big screen, it's a two-dimensional image, but it's bleeding into your subconscious. Uh, You're kind of decoding what's happening and uh, that reality could kind of butt up against your reality. Uh, With Promising Young Woman, I don't think it, it affected me so much because it's a heightened reality, particularly with the visuals and how Cassie's world is presented. It's very candy colored. And um, yeah, I think the word that keeps coming up is heightened, it's not quite real. So you know, it's a story, you know, it's a film but there's a lot of complicated issues and um, uncomfortable subject matter kind of lingering underneath. And that's the root of the story, which is, you know, rape and sexual assault on campus. If somebody wants to see a movie that's more real about it I mean, there's documentaries on the issue. I would say, you know, check out The Hunting Ground or it happened here. Um, I would also recommend Audrey and Daisy because it confronts the issue happening in high schools and the effects that happens to these women is very real. I mean, both of the subjects of Audrey and Daisy have committed suicide. I mean, Daisy died in August of last year and then her mother killed herself in December. And that's what we figure happened to Nina, who is a character we never see in Promising Young Woman in this fiction. So, um, sexual assault and subsequent suicide death and suffering are the ground level of this film but it's as a film itself it's more of an examination of you know the anger justice grief loyalty and love um and what that means to this fictional person who's left to pick up the pieces which is cassie the carrie mulligan character and you know ultimately what she chooses to do about it um but it isn't a film for everybody um, it makes you laugh, but it also, it fucks you up. And in some ways it plays out like a satire or wish fulfillment fantasy, but it keeps you know, tugging and pulling in different directions. And it combines a lot of things for better and for worse. But um, yeah, overall I respected it a lot. I think everyone, a lot of people are playing against type. Mulligan in some ways is playing against type. The actors who play our parents, if you're familiar with their work are totally playing against type. And the stunt casting of the men that she takes home are pretty ingenious, you know, you have Chris Lowell from Veronica Mars and glow you have Adam Brody Max Greenfield Christopher mince plaz um, Sam Richardson who's a stand up comedian. Um, It creates this world that's very, very bright and familiar, but there's a lot of like nastiness underneath and. I'm kind of keeping things spoiler free right now because I figure we're probably gonna go into spoiler territory later and I'll discuss it more. But overall, I wanna hear everyone else's um, reactions or conclusions on things.
0: I can go next. Um, I, 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 I don't wanna say I don't like the film because I do like the film. I am more mixed than the average person, but I don't think it's for like the common reasons why people dislike the film. I, again, we'll, we'll go into it more when we talk about spoilers. I like the twists and turns. I like the casting. I think the cast overall is really fantastic. The editing is solid. Obviously everyone is losing their minds over the, you know, tile cards that come up with the different numbers. I think that is nothing short of genius. Whenever you have a filmmaking tool like that where you're just anticipating for it and once it pops up on screen, you just know shit's about to go down. I think that's incredibly sometimes well done. Sometimes it feels like a gimmick. I think here it's really, really well done. Um, I think the film's issue comes in its screenplay. Um, I think this is an incredibly messy film um, and rather underwritten in some regards. I think the social commentary is good, but specifically the character between, or the relationship between Bo Burnham's character and Casey Mulligan's character, I found to be drastically underwritten. I think Bo Burnham in general in this film is really, really underwritten. Um, and it's not like I think the screenplay or the film didn't have the time to go and build his character a little bit more. Um, I, you know, I don't really know why they didn't, but they have so many repeating scenes of, um, Carrie Mulligan's character going out, finding a man. You don't really know what she does to them. That is definitely more vague. You get pieces here and there, and we never fully find out what she does to each guy. Um, but you have so many scenes of that to where it starts to feel, I mean, I get to a point like thematically, you you know, it is endless and you get the sense of it's endless and it's such a large problem. But I think also it gets to a point where it just feels a little bit like you're going through the motions. And when there is other aspects of the screenplay, specifically, like I said, Bo Burnham's character that I think should be given more development, should be given a larger role and should be given more depth, um, especially considering where they go with his character and how they could have played with that. I think it would have been more effective, um, Yeah, I think this is a solid film. Like, don't get me wrong. I come on here sometimes and I just sound really negative. I do like this film. I don't think it's the masterpiece people are calling it out to be. And maybe that's just me. But I I, I do think it's screenplay definitely could use some work. Um, I do appreciate the ideas, though. The acting, like I said, phenomenal. Uh, Editing's great. Directing's great. It's just, I wish the screenplay was a little bit more developed and a little bit
4: more uh, thought out in some areas. I am going to say that I am sitting very comfortably on the fence on this one. Uh, The the discourse is so sharply divided between people who love it and hate it that I think that, you know, I've got a prime position on the fence with nobody else sitting next to me. Uh, What I will say is that for a film that, and I'm not going to get into spoilers now, but for a film that does come front-loaded with this entire discourse around it about how not to spoil it, I did think that the narrative going forward was fairly obvious and I feel that that is largely because of the way that Bob Burnham's character is introduced and you all like you you get an idea about this guy and his past based on just like a throwaway line about him going to the same uh, college that she did and There's an entire hour, and it's as their relationship builds, where you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. You're just waiting for the film to just eventually reveal where it is inevitably going. And so as a result, that relationship never rang true to me because it all just felt like it was a plot point waiting to happen. Uh, And another thing, and again, speaking incredibly vaguely because we're not in spoiler chat yet, um, one thing that made me think that this was... A hollywoodized take on this real world issue instead of like a more harrowing examination of it is the fact that the the entire plot sort of that the yeah her, her plot uh of you know getting revenge involves participating with the police and the fact that they eventually come to the rescue just does not ring true whatsoever i mean we've seen so many cases in the headlines where they have not been able to help. And the fact that they do end up saving the day just rang completely false to me. I get that it's a heightened reality, but it it doesn't sit well next to the social commentary and it just felt very muddled for me. But there are things that I do like about it and I think Kerry Mulligan is great. Um, And yeah, there's enough in it that makes me, you know, not nowhere near uh that the hater side because there is clearly so much in this that's ambitious and I can see what it's going for but just yeah it never fully comes together for me I think it's themes aren't explored with uh, the depth that they often need it feels like a a popcorn take on something that needs to be more harrowing and just uncomfortable because that's what this subject matter is
1: I can so I can go next. I, I am firmly on the, the love side of the fence. Uh, I think there are there are a few issues, I guess, that, that you guys kind of touched on, but I think for the most part, I, I really love the, the entire film. I think both in terms of its entertainment value and also the thematic relevance, just both of them just hit on on all levels. I think it was amazing. Um, it was actually I loved it so much. I, saw, I did see it twice, um, and I think that that kind of helped me because I can understand. Um, viewing it as kind of messy on the first time. I definitely think, like you said, Carson, there's some underwritten uh, parts of it, and kind of there are a lot of clues and not not clues because I think they should be expanded upon more. but you kind of can can't really piece it all together until the second viewing, or at least if you like think about it, I guess. And also the commentary as well. I, I wasn't 100 percent sure in that first viewing what everything it was trying because it was trying to say a lot of things. It wasn't you know one uh, clear, one explicit message. there were a lot of things on its mind, I think. Um, but with that second viewing, I think I really loved it, um, even more so than the first time. And I loved it the first time. I think, um, I can see that the problems with the Bill Burnham character, I definitely understand. I think, um, I went into this, like, I, I love Bill stand standup, you know, and I was kind of interested to see how he would be in a, in a film, you know, what his acting level is, but I kind of went out of it, not really getting that opportunity because he didn't really do any acting in this. I kind of just remembered he was funny in it. He was really funny in it. That's, that's kind of all. He didn't really have much, any moments, I think, that stood out to me in terms of his, his acting ability or his range. Um, but I think everything else about the film was just done so well and, and in a very entertaining way. Like, it, it feels weird for me to be saying that this movie with such uh, dark subject matter is fun, but I really enjoyed the ride. I mean, it is the candy colored visuals, the soundtrack, the amazing soundtrack, which I, I just loved. Every song that they picked was was perfect, I think, um, really did make it a, a, an enjoyable experience. And I loved how it balanced the tones of comedy and then the darker, um, the darker stuff. And it, it does get quite dark. And I think um, those moments are played really well. I think it has a lot to say about um, not just in terms of, of the rapists themselves, but the people who kind of the bystanders, you know, who don't do anything. And I thought that was a really interesting, kind of take on it. Um, I love the casting, uh, like Hillary said, of all of those, of uh, all, all the men in the film and kind of what they do and don't do. And how they all say, you know, you're a nice guy, I'm a nice guy or whatever. I think that was really hit the nail on the head. Um, and I guess the ending of the film, I, even though I enjoyed it from like an entertainment standpoint, I think it it felt like it wasn't, didn't really follow with what the rest of the script had set up. It didn't really quite feel like a, an exact continuation of, of you know Cassie's character and her arc. But I think everything before that. I think Cassie's character is explored really well. Um, there are a lot of subtler moments, I think, especially with her her parents also, um, that I noticed on the second viewing that I really appreciated. And her character, I think, besides having you know great social commentary, I love how the film is also an, an excellent character study of this person who's, um, you know, who's this past trauma is, is like ripping her apart from the inside, and she doesn't know how to move on from it or how, or if she should move on. And I think that was a really interesting, uh, a great character, and Carrie Mulligan does an excellent job of portraying her. Um, yeah, I, I love Mulligan's performance. It might be my favorite of hers, if I'm being honest. I don't love all the period pieces she's in. Um, yeah, I think this was quite, quite exceptional.
3: Yeah, going into this movie, I was a little nervous because I wasn't sure what was it going to be. It seems like anytime you take on this subject matter, there's that fine line, like okay is this gonna be PSA or is this gonna be an entertaining film that has a commentary and it definitely ends up being that and also the first day I saw the trailer I I saw the story came out that the woman who claimed the Grenfell Tower survivor um, raped her she admitted that she lied to stay in the UK was it was a false claim and I was like okay this is a weird coincidence that this story came out the same day that I saw it. But then, so I, I had some, I was like, what is this movie going to say? But I came in and boy, was I wrong. I I love this movie. I think it does a great job on the commentary. I think that it does a great job diving into the conversation. It knows specifically what type of male it's going after without going after every single one. Like If you go into this as a male and you're like, well, I don't just want to be blamed. I've never done stuff like this take some notes about what you shouldn't be doing. Like, you're like, okay, I shouldn't be like that guy. Look at Max Greenfield. Look, you're like, okay, let me take some notes. Don't be like that guy. So don't like go into this thinking it's attacking you. If it is, you probably are not a good person. Um, And that's like, so I thought it's electric. It seems original. It's twisty, but it is predictable. I think it's, it's very like thematically like, Oh, going everywhere. Um, I, and I think that works really well, but yeah, it is, it is, it does kind of get predictable, but I think it never, what ends up happening. You're sitting there. You're like, I don't want it to happen. Please, please. I think I know it's going to happen. Just please don't let it. I want this to go well. Um, But I mean, watching the trailer, you know how it's going to go. And I think Carrie Mulligan is great best performance I've seen so far this year I think she's she's very good just plays the character so well you you just really want to like follow this character see more of her it, it also it definitely gives an interesting perspective by taking out the victim and it leaves you with like the perpetrator the abuser themselves the facilitators those that enabled it and then like just those passive and innocent bystanders so it's like okay instead of like seeing this from the victim we're left with all these people picking up the pieces and how they're dealing with that. And I think that was like an, a good um, way to handle it by taking out um, the one that did um, tragically suffer the abuse, the rape. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing that ha- happens. It's terrible. When you find out you feel, I mean you just feel awful when it, like things come to light more as the movie goes on. But um i i i agree with the people that like this movie i thought it was just it, it it's weird to say it's fun but it's like such a harsh subject but i think that means that it like it did a great job in that entertainment well like it's saying it's saying so much and i i think it's really good a second watch does seem um like it would be helpful like alex was saying to really to get everything that it's trying to say
0: See, I find that interesting because I did watch this film twice because originally I was mixed and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I was just having an off day. Everyone loves this film. And I found the issues to be even greater on a second watch, actually. I found that it was even more distracting considering the first time you you don't know what's happening. You're always waiting for the shoe to drop in every moment. Um, No matter what character you're talking about, it always feels like you're on this tightrope of it going wrong. So at least there you're kind of engaged, you're kind of questioning what's happening. It's easier to kind of forgive little moments like Bo Burnham meeting Carrie Mulligan's character in the coffee shop for the first time and how like specifically underwritten that scene is and that encounter is. But then on the second watch, when you know what's happening, I found that I could pay attention more to like, how does each scene play and how does it play into the larger, you know, puzzle work that is this film this larger puzzle you know and I found that I found it even more distracting on a second watch so I find that interesting to hear
1: yeah on the second second watch I really I think there are a lot of well I did notice those flaws as well I think there were some subtle subtler moments I kind of touched on the family moments I guess but I really enjoyed how how uh, Carrie Mulligan's character or how Cassie's explored I mean the film is called Promising Young Woman I think it's um, a spin on, there was like a, a, one of the college campuses, you know, one of the rapists or something was called The Promising Young Man, you know, by a newspaper. I don't remember which university it was, I think maybe Duke, but I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, so there's that aspect to it. But it's also about how um, Carrie Mulligan's character is like a promising young woman in terms of, she went to med school, you know, had her career all lined up and everything. And then um, her, her life is all ripped apart by, by this event, this trauma, this tragedy. And um, uh, that was explored really well, I think. I think somebody touched on this earlier. I can't remember who, but um, yeah, how it, it just it's like a ripple effect of of all, all of these lives of these other people that are affected by it. Um, and she's just unable to move on, you know. Of course, as as you would expect. And uh, there's something else I was going to say about. Oh yeah, there this. Um, yeah, the moment with there's this moment with the dad. I think played by Clancy Brown, where he says, um, "You know, we miss Nina, but we also miss you." which I think that was a really powerful moment. Um, and it really spoke to, you know, her, how this, her, her life has been completely messed up by this event. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a great um, aspect to explore and I think it works really well.
0: Should we maybe transition into our spoiler portion of our chat regarding the film? So if you haven't seen Promising Young Woman, go watch it, come back, let's talk full spoilers. If you haven't seen it yet, you can check in the time codes below uh, to see when we're done with this section. Uh, let's open the floor to spoilers.
2: Well, one thing I want to say is that when I edited the, the podcast um, and that was my first when I edited the podcast, I think a few people who'd seen it had also mentioned they'd seen it several times and it had cemented their views more in the negative direction with that particular group of people. Uh, and it was interesting because, I, like I said, I thought, I think the film has been misinterpreted a little bit and once I saw it myself and keep, once again, I've seen it once, so maybe if I did see it again, my opinion would change. Uh, it didn't tip me in the negative direction. Um, I mean, one of the first things that came of the podcast that really surprised me is that the understanding was that she was killing these men. Um, which she wasn't. Um, and I, I never got that impression from the trailer. I didn't get the impression from the film, although it kind of plays with that idea and way, uh, especially the first sequence. Um, but um, there also seemed to be an idea with some of the, the people who are angry about this film is that uh, what that particular segment of the audience wanted is winning through violence and the citing movies like um, I Spit on Your Grave or Revenge which came out a few years ago as examples but overall the film for me and this is just my personal opinion is that it's not about revenge it's about retribution which is close but it's not the same thing because uh I have the definitions here. Revenge is the action of inflicting hurt or harm on someone for an injury or wrong suffered at their hands. And retribution is punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance for a wrong or criminal act. So if you want to see rapists suffering or dying, promising young woman isn't for you. Um, I would suggest films like Teeth. If you want to see a heightened reality in which like every man is a rapist and gets theirs, then I'd say Teeth, Hard Candy. I would say go see The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and um, Descent with Rosario Dawson or MFA with Francesca Eastwood. Um, Opening up to like further spoilers, there is, uh, our main character doesn't make it to the end of the film. She is murdered. And the podcast that edited opened up a debate around a statement the director made saying that Cassie hadn't planned to be murdered because some people believe believe that she did, which was very confusing, and uh, I think really flabbergasted some people and make them upset. Um, the way that I see things, and of course, I can be contradicted like anyone else is that there's context clues left in place concerning that what Cassie had planned, although pretty opaque, is that she did mean to go to um, the bachelor party to end and either mutilate or disfigure or kill Al Monroe probably by carving Nina's name on his chest or his body somewhere. Um, and I think her ultimate plan was probably to kill herself afterwards. Um, she doesn't seem the type of person who would want to go to prison. And the fact that she left a necklace for her friend Gail and a note to the lawyer in case of her disappearance and had text scheduled to send out, indicate that there's a possibility, particularly the last, one of the last things we hear from her which is love Cassie and Nina, which implies that she is together with her friend. Um, and there's also a brief scene with her parents talking to police where there's hints of possibilities of suicidal ideation or contemplation in the past. They, they say like, she always comes back, like she has disappeared before. And they feared that maybe she would want to um, take her life. Um, as far as like people being upset about their murder, I really understand that. Um, I think what makes her murder horrific in the film is because It wasn't on her own terms. If you're thinking the way that I'm thinking, that's what makes it so horrific. That was taken away from her and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing who Al Monroe actually is. And that's incredibly upsetting. I could see why a lot of people said they had panic attacks and were angry and uh, didn't like the film. Um, But what makes the film work for me is that even though (laughs) the most violent act a man could do to a woman to silence her murder, wasn't enough to stop what she was doing. Um, whether she was alive or dead, it wasn't going to stop what she had already set in motion. And I think that's what's terrifying for some of the men and the women And like, I think that's what's terrifying for some of the men who see this movie is that you can kill a woman, but she won't stop talking. Um, and I mean, of course, going back to like, this is a story. There's almost like elements of satire to it and uh, bits of like really black comedy. That's what kind of lifts it a little bit at the end but it's at a pretty high cost. And there is the argument that a woman can't be, um, can't be important or have her voice heard unless she's dead, which is valid. And I think that that's what has caused so much um, controversy and really, really strong feelings on the internet about this film. So I'm interested in the the murder. And of course, like we've kind of, talked around the twist and, um involving the Bo Burnham character which I was really surprised one of my guy friends said he saw it coming from a mile away like the second that he brought up a video he like just his head hung he's like he's on the video he's on the video no you know he immediately knew and um I wouldn't have so um I'm really curious especially because you guys are you're all guys so <laughs>
1: what did you think I'm just gonna go to the point you were talking about earlier I think um I actually did, from the trailers, I did think that it was going to be like one of those like revenge type movie, you know, I thought she was going to be killing the men. And I think it's really interesting that the film didn't take that route because I think in in some sense it's the more um, obvious like character in terms of a character that's right, you know, in terms of that these men should be punished somehow, but who takes it too far? And I think the movie's a lot more nuanced for not having a character that takes it too far. I honestly, Cassie didn't do that much wrong, honestly, you know, until the end of the film, I guess, where she had that plan to do um, the mutilation. I guess that obviously that's, that's illegal. But um, I was on her side completely. It's not like just like Black, in Black Panther, you know, Chad um, uh, Michael B. Jordan. You know, his character is like he's right in a sense, but he just takes it too far. And I think that's like a superhero trope. I guess a lot of a lot of superhero movies have villains where they're like they're right, you know, but obviously it's too far. And I just think it's too familiar and too um, been done too many times. So I really liked that the film. Uh, did not take that route, and and she was didn't do that much. That was uh, crossing the line, I guess. And I really was rooting for her the entire time. Um, and then as to the the that murder at the end, I was definitely shocked by that, and um, not I was upset by it, but in a good way. I think like it was a upsetting scene. It was a very emotional, you know, powerful scene. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't angry at the film. I don't think, but I was definitely surprised and. Um, I think, I guess, I think the ending works for me. I, I really didn't actually uh, think about that, um, what you said Hillary, about her, her like intention to commit suicide after that. That's a really interesting take. And, and I, I think that that definitely makes sense now that you said it. Um, and I also I also liked, I think Alistair said something earlier about um, the police coming in at the end and how you didn't like that part. I think it fits within the film in terms of because they have the video, you know, I think if there's a video then, then somebody's gonna you know mostly I think in the cases where the police aren't helpful it's like that he said she said um so I guess but also in, the, in that in that sense you probably won't have a video most of the time in the real world you know so in that sense this is like the the heightened part of the, the film comes into play um but yeah I think the ending worked also for that reason because it does fit I think with, with the video um yeah there's just uh, a lot to say about that that ending I guess I still have to I still have to gather my thoughts honestly about it and and all, all that you said, Hillary, is making me think even more about that uh, ending, but I, I definitely like it, like it more.
4: Yeah, this might be the only film that exists where I can, say, call it a Hollywood ending for the cops coming up to save people, even though the main character is still murdered. Yeah,
0: I mean, agreed. There's a lot that you guys brought up to kind of touch on um, that I think is quite in interesting. Um, and of course, right as I start talking, I just completely lose all the points I was going to make. I'm sure they were going to be genius. Um, I, 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 the more like, as far as her not going too far, and we see very clearly, she's not killing the people she uh, has that one guy who knows of her and she has this reputation. We know that the people she's gone home with have been talking about her. Um, Genuinely, I, I I don't fully understand people who would be upset that she's not going too far because, I mean, there's this kind of common issue I find in Hollywood and film at this point where, like, some films just try to put as much nuance and moral, like, questionable, you know, questionable morals in their films. Ultimately, this is a character going against fucking rapists. You know, you don't need to have this moral question on, oh, is she doing the right thing? Is she going too far with these guys? fuck them like they literally are rapists like I don't need that in this film um and if you want to sympathize with rapists like you know I don't have much time for you if I'm just being completely honest not to you know I I don't really care. Um, The ending, I I don't necessarily know if I like the take by the director um, that she wasn't trying to kill herself because I think thematically that's quite interesting that she would plan for men to do whatever they could to like silence her. I think thematically that is richer of an idea. I don't, I mean, obviously it's a take. I don't, you know, doesn't ruin the film by any means, but I, I do think I prefer the ending that I think is more implied, which is the fact that she planned on dying of being murdered, but it is what it is. Um, Yeah, I guess those are my major takeaways from kind of the spoiler discussion. And I guess we haven't really mentioned the Bo Burnham twist, right? Hillary, you did. I apologize, actually. Um, I I saw that coming to some degree just because this film is so relentless with every man just being terrible. Um, And I think it was so obvious because, like, thematically, it doesn't, like there has to be a point to why he's there. And it didn't feel enough that he was just like this good guy. It definitely does a good job kind of starting to make you think maybe he is just good. Um, I I felt though pretty early early on that there would be something darker to him and of course that turns out to be uh, correct. And I think his character is probably one of the more interesting sides of the film. And, you know, what the film has to say is the fact that, you know, this abuse and this, you know, horrendous side of humanity, even those who don't actively engage with it, but are just bypassers to it can be legitimately, you know, seemingly nice guys, you know, it's, it's a nuanced take. Um, it's, you know, I, I think there is more, you could go with the film necessarily with this nuance specifically, um in this conversation of abuse and sexual abuse um, with women also perpetrating it, I think there's something you could do there because um, I think that is something not talked about a lot in media. Um, but again, I mean that's that's saying something that a film could do it's not something lacking from the film actively. I'm just thinking of other nuanced points the film could have. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm not bothered by the film and like I said I mean they're literal fucking rapists so like sure
1: i'm just gonna just quickly say um i don't think like i wouldn't be upset like you know that the rapist got got killed or something or anything i just think it was it's just such a trope i think that's been used too often like i definitely would be all down for them getting you know punishment like uh i uh, if she crossed the line i would not care i'm just saying like it's a overused trope i think but yeah no i
0: wasn't responding to you specifically because i think it's good that she doesn't kill people because it stops that conversation from others like because if she killed people online twitter would be some people on twitter you know not everyone but some people would be like oh like she handles it morally it's very similar to joker actually joker goes too far like that's the point of the film is he goes too far in his aggression and his anger and his lashing out at society it'd be a very similar character where she becomes this kind of villain but you know That the point is, the point never should be that she's the villain, considering who she's going against in such a real world environment.
1: Yeah, it kind of opens up those avenues of discussion that shouldn't be opened, honestly. They shouldn't,
2: yeah.
3: Yeah, on the Bo Burnham thing, I thought the whole time that he was at that party, I was like, okay, it kind of seems to me like he's at the party. But I think for me, instead of it being like, a shocking twist I think it's like an emotional twist where you're like please don't let it happen like she deserves this look how happy she is she's getting her life back together she's moving on like kind of healing and then it's like uh, uh dang it like of, I mean of course and so I think it kind of crushes you and not because I didn't care about him I cared about her and it crushed her so that's kind of why you didn't I didn't want that to happen but it, it did and it it makes a lot of sense I think um the third act it's kind of funny like it seems like max greenfield it was it, i'm a big new girl fan so it seemed like a crazy episode of new girl it's like why is the stripper dead oh my gosh and you're like oh this guy is so awful but it, i think like the casting is so great because if you've seen new girl you're like wow this this sounds like lines from new girl but this time like oh yeah he he's a rapist like that's um so it takes it to that next level um, and it also like parallels, it's like, see if you watch new girl, okay. That's a, that's a guy that is kind of, kind of similar, but he lives his life and lives it good. He's not, um, sexually assaulting people, but then in this movie, he lives that similar life, but goes too far. So it, it kind of gives that parallel. Um, if you think abroad, like to other, um, I think, I didn't know that her dying was super controversial I guess I haven't seen too much I would say one thing that I always think is I think when there's this thing in society where if we just told every single person or every male that no means no we would fix sexual assault and rape but I think it's definitely like we have to start looking about it as like no this is similar to murder like they know exactly what they're doing they know that like consent is a thing that you need it but they don't care they're still gonna do it like the zodiac wasn't he didn't know that murder was wrong i mean you yeah, know, he did he he knew he didn't know oh is this something i shouldn't be doing he knows and i think that's how we should start looking more at rapes is like yes they know exactly what they're doing so i think it's like see he would also murder. And I think that's a comparison right there. Like the rapist is also a murderer and it's almost interchangeable. Um, So there, it does seem like, I guess the problems with, oh, was she going to kill herself? What was she going to do after? Maybe that goes back to Carson, your script issues. It seems like maybe the film was written. She was always going to die. Maybe it started out with the third act was the first thing written, right? Oh, she's going to go in. She's going to do this and she's going to die. So there's never even a second thought. So it's almost as if like it was inevitable. And while like as viewers, it, we know she had something else planned or she probably understood that she could have like gone in there and not. She, um, but it seems like maybe the writer she was just thinking, um, oh, this whole time it, she's going in. So she didn't give much second thought to, oh, how else could it play out? Cause it was always going to play out like that. So maybe that's, um a script issue but other than that i can't think of like much of the spoilers i think is it kind of a similar reaction to obviously this is a much harsher subject promising a woman to the third act of once upon a time in hollywood where it's like wait what the heck like why did they kill her why did everything go crazy why did it go off the rails and it was like very split um the reaction either you kind of like that ending or you didn't it seems like maybe this third act um is similar in the sense of like i don't know maybe reaction i just at, at you, seeing you guys talk about it, i was i got kind of vibes about the ending of that i'm not sure though
1: that is an interesting yeah, I mean... oh go ahead so i was just gonna say it's an interesting comparison, also but i think uh once upon a time in hollywood is I think you could see it a little bit more coming because, um, you know, Tarantino had already had *Inglorious Bastards* and Django Unchained*, where it changed history for the better. So you kind of see that, and also in this one, I mean, the main character getting killed is, I think you see that not not that often, obviously, and uh, especially so far into the movie. I mean, well, I guess that makes sense. But um, I was a little bit—I was definitely more surprised by this than by the Hollywood ending.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think th- there is key differences between the two. I think specifically with the form of violence and how the violence is just like showcased and what the purpose of the violence is. Um, I and mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, it's like, a, you know, eight minute sequence of this guy just brutally, brutally murdering this woman. And where morally, I think it's an interesting conversation considering, um, you know, that's a film where a lot of people kind of, you know, it goes too far a lot of people think and you know granted it's literally a murdering cult you know again I mean I I don't I honestly don't feel too bad for the murdering cult getting killed but that is a brutal form of violence and it's so graphic that it serves the purpose of being like this brutal like glorifying you know big graphic violence scene it's Quentin Tarantino after all the violence in this film serves a very different purpose I would say Um, and how it's shown I think is Rather, I would say more tasteful. I don't personally have an ending with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but I mean, I think it clearly is more tasteful and more mature uh, violence and
3: you know murder. So um,
0: it, is, it is a very interesting comparison,
3: though. Also, maybe it seems like this movie could have ended with that much violence. And like looking at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's ending, I would say, thank goodness Promising Young Woman doesn't. Because she could have just gone in there taken and just gone crazy but i think this is a much better uh, with the police thing them showing up it, it did seem all too perfect but also it's like it's nice i mean it feels good you're like oh sweet thank goodness and it's hilarious that it's at the wedding the wife's like oh my gosh i had no idea but it's like you really had no idea like that your husband is kind of the worst like i don't know um but yeah i i i did enjoy it i'll say
1: Yeah, at that wedding, they had that, there was that one moment very interesting to me where the wife, There was like, I think Max Greenfield made some comment about like her being his, uh, like a catch or something, you know, great catch. And she was like, kind of looked like, like she knew that was wrong. Uh, It was kind of an interesting, really subtle moment. I'm not sure, you know, what what it means in the grand scale scheme of things, but um, I also like that ending in terms of it just put a smile on my face. I mean, I'm just so happy to see them, you know, get their um, uh, justice, I guess. Um, and then also that also about Max Greenfield, I think that was a really interesting way to use his character right after that death, the emotionally harrowing de- death. And then you have like some really funny jokes that were actually like, I, I actually, so I did see this one in the theater as well. I'm really bad. I shouldn't, I, I only saw these two. Okay. That's, that's all I saw in theaters. Um, but like some of the people were laughing and other people were like not sure if they could laugh yet, you know. Um, and that, that was a really interesting decision, I think, to make that that character just like, be the uh, the right the scene right after this this death it just um and and it didn't actually feel like tonal whiplash to me it it felt like it it worked for me i think it was a good decision to kind of make your audience uncomfortable and not entirely sure whether you can laugh in that moment
2: i think it cements their well i want to say villainy but like that the fact that these are just really shitty people um and uh, they, I think building comedy into it, I think is part of the reason why it offends people because they're like, this isn't fucking funny. But um, I, there was still like a part of me that found it just hilarious. There's a scene and I, w- I want to be clear, like I don't find this funny, but there's a scene where they're burning her body um, and the camera just kind of like tracks out and just Max Greenfield's stupid face was making me laugh. Um, Cause he's just like his mouth's open, his hands on his hips, and he just looks like a goddamn idiot. And you're just like you fucking asshole. Like uh, there's just nothing likable about about these people at, at all. Um, and you know just how pathetic the Al Monroe character is. Like immediately crying and feeling sorry for himself. And he's like my like my my wife can't find out, my fiance can't know about this, and just blubbering and crying. Um, they do seem more pathetic. And a lot of the people that she ends up targeting, there's a a degree of patheticness, but there's also something familiar about them. And if you have aspects of that in yourself, it could be very, very uncomfortable. Um, I mean, my guy friends, uh, I saw them yesterday briefly. Uh, They did talk about how how the Bo Burnham character, like they said, when he turned, he turned hard. And uh, I said, yeah, I was really, disturbing to have the scene with her and him in the hospital where like, I think he immediately calls her a cunt. And they were like, really disturbed by that. Like, and I said, it's really weird. I mean, it's a character it's in a film, but I've also had experiences personally with people where if you, they find out that you did that if you find out something that they did, that they're not proud of, they'll, they'll turn really hard like that too. And you're like, Oh my God, this is who you actually are. Um, if I'm not happy with something that you did. Um, I think at one point he says to her like, oh, so like you've never done anything wrong. And she doesn't even dignify that with an answer, but there was a part that's like, yeah, like I I watched a rape happen and thought it was funny. Like, yeah, I've I've done stuff on that level. Like not a lot of people have, Um, but there's, you know, the Madison character, Allison Brie or the Dean character played by Connie Britton. These are, People who actually do exist. I've met people who are like this who just really don't. They, if bad things are happening around them, but they just don't compute, or they, it's not a big deal if it happens to other people. Most people, most human beings, just on a certain level, are just like this. I mean, it's different when it happens to someone you know or yourself. If it happens to someone else, it can be very, very funny or just not that big of a deal. I think Promising Young Woman really does put us in a position where we're, I mean, I can't really say forced but we're encouraged to empathize with someone who lost something and lost big. I mean, she lost her best friend and just through context clues, like I said, you see pictures of them being friends together all the way back to like maybe kindergarten. Like this is a really big deal and having her die is a big deal people get emotionally attached to this character um, because you can you've definitely been immersed in a world and seeing what she's going what she's gone through and i think that's what makes people uncomfortable more than anything is having to confront the subject matter and you know, there's elements of it that are funny, but also things that are very, very true. And then having that taken away. So I think that will always make it a debatable film and yeah, definitely make people upset. Um, I think the last thing I would add is there's a term thrown around, strong female characters. And for a long time that bothered me because what strong female characters were, for a long time was like basically like they were very violent and very sexual and basically they would just be kind of like a male character but like you guys would want to have sex with them because they were hot and now we're kind of moving into this new era where people are saying like oh this is a strong female character but it does seem like there's still model on male characters you know like men who fuck up all the time and do horrible things and make mistakes and are really really selfish but we're supposed to like them for some reason I think that Cassie breaks away from both of those tropes and it makes people very uncomfortable because she is doing stuff that is morally questionable, but it's not technically illegal. She's psychologically destroying these guys. And I mean, there's a joke that every male comedian has said for like dozens of years that um, women do excel at psychological damage. I think that um, just psychologically messing with these guys and um, calling them out on their behavior in a really confrontational, uncomfortable way might be enough for some of them to reform and become better people. And then applying that specifically to the people who are involved with Nina's um, rape, which was kind of catalyzed by the Bo Burnham character. So I think that's part of the reason why it's necessary is that he tells her you know, that he's back. Um, all of that is technically legal as well um, without being violent for the most part. It could tell the end and maybe like smashing up a car, which I mean, honestly, I think everyone has fantasized about at some point or other. Um, But without being violent, without being sexual, without being like a total fuck up and like destroying herself, that sort of thing. She is a little bit different. And I think right now audiences are really uncomfortable with that, but maybe decades from now, Cassie will be a template for other characters like that. And I'm curious to see what direction film will go with that.
1: One uh, interesting moment I think we haven't brought up yet is the Alfred Molina character and, and his scene that I think really contrasts nicely with uh, Bo Burnham's character's reaction to being called out. You know, he's all, he gets all defensive and, and he gets turns into an ass. I mean, well, he's a, he reveals himself as an asshole, I should say. Um, and then Molina kind of takes the other approach. You know, his character um, realizes what he's done and, and asks for forgiveness. Or he doesn't ask, I think, right? She gives it to him. She, he like says, I should be punished. You know, I don't, i punished. I don't deserve forgiveness. I think that was really interesting also because the film kind of provides like, um and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, not a solution, but like a path, you know, this is the path, this is the right way. This is the thing that you should do um, for the men who find themselves in that position. And, you know, he's not like a rapist or anything where you should just go to jail. So it's a little bit different, but I think that was, um, I guess with his character and and I guess the dad character, not every man in the movie is completely terrible, and there is some uh, opportunity for redemption or or I guess forgiveness if you didn't you know go too far you know, um, and that, that was a really interesting character as well, and um, and also in terms of how he was the lawyer, you know I think there is a lot of talk about um, lawyering in ter- in terms of in this subject matter, you know in terms of. Um, how the, the he said, she said, and how there's not often a lot of evidence and, and the girls are pressured, you know, into to not, um, you know, dropping charges and sort of that sort of thing. So I like how the film tackles that aspect of it as well. And Molina also just gives a great performance. That scene was, was riveting.
4: Uh, I don't really have a point, but I have a sort of a recommendation. Um for uh, a a sort of a harder hitting film that covers a similar subject matter it's a french film from 2001 called fat girl which i believe is still streaming on criterion channel um i'm not going to talk about it in too much depth because the parts of it that promising young woman really reminded me of were in that third act and yeah this uh tackles the same themes with uh just in a way that is very uncomfortable and just really does not let the audience off the hook in a way that you know promising young woman is very much the popcorn version of this film i would say so if you've been able to handle this and want something that explores these themes in greater depth um then it's, it's on criterion channel now fat girl
0: Okay, and before we go on to our recommendations for this week, it is my honor to be able to announce the official nominees for the 2021 Clapper Staff Awards. It's been a very big year in cinema, a very weird year in cinema, granted, but a big year in cinema, a big year for us at Clapper. This was our first calendar year. We were a thing, and we figured instead of doing what we did last year, where everyone kind of put out their like top five list, and it was a very um just a lot and very disorganized and very disconnected. We thought we would come together this year and host our own award show. So we have the Clapper Staff Awards. Um this is going to be annual. Everyone here at Clapper put in their votes for their nominations. They listed up to 5 in each category. Uh they ranged in like picks and their points. So their first pick got 5 points, a second pick got 4 points third pick got three points and you know two points one point and then the top five nominees in each category uh, to get the most points went on to be our official nominees we will be voting again on these in the coming weeks and then we'll have our winners for the 2021 clapper staff awards before we get into it i will quickly say we did not have a necessarily like full eligibility list on what we considered to be eligible or not um also for performances same with which placement if they're supporting or uh, lead we really just went with the prompt best of 2020 in film uh, specifically with u.s release dates that's why you're not going to see like parasite on this list for example um and whatever the staff you know thought Represented cinema this year You know, I, this year have has been very weird With like small acts and stuff So just know that was our approach uh, But with that said, let's get into the nominees I'm very, very excited to announce these uh, And let's start off with Best Supporting Actor Your nominees for Best Supporting Actor are Chadwick Boseman in Da Bloods Ben Mendelsohn in Baby Teeth Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami Paul Racy in Sound of Metal, and Michael Stuhlbarg in Shirley. Moving on to Best Supporting Actress, your nominees are Maria Bakalova for Borat Subsequent Movie Film, Ellen Burson for Pieces of a Woman, Olivia Colman for The Father, Talia Ryder for Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, and Yoon Yoon Jung for Minari. Going to Best Actor now, your nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Delroy Lindo for The Five Bloods, and Mads Mickelson for Another Round. On to Best Actress, your nominees are Sidney Flanagan for Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, Carey Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, and Aubrey Plaza for Black Bear. For Best Ensemble, your nominees are Defy Bloods, Mangrove, Minari, One Night in Miami, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Moving on to Best Original Screenplay, your nominees are Another Round, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Palm Springs, Promising Young Woman, and Soul. For Best Adapted Screenplay, your nominees are The Father, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The Personal History of David Copperfield. For Best Director, there was a tie for the fifth place spot, so both films made it in, so there are six in this category. Your nominees for Best Director are David Fincher for Mank, Eliza Hittman, for Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Charlie Kaufman. For I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Spike Lee. For Defy Bloods. Thomas Wittenberg. For Another Round. And Chloe Ja For Nomadland. And finally. Best Picture. Very similar thing. Uh, there is a tie for 5th place. So we have 6 nominees for Best Picture. Your nominees for Best Picture. For the Clapper Staff Awards. Are Another Round. I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Minari, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Nomadland, and Soul. So those are the nominees for the 2021 Clapper Staff Awards. Uh, A huge thank you to everyone at Clapper who went ahead and participated in this. I had a ton of fun doing it. I think everyone kind of had fun doing this, coming together, seeing where our interests uh, differ, where they come together and are very similar. Um, it's a very weird year for cinema, but I think the fact that we got such a solid list of nominees really speaks to the fact that it was weird, but definitely not a poor year in cinema, uh, which I think was one of the you know highlights of doing Clappercast in general, is the fact that we got to highlight and talk about some really incredible films, In a time where, for a lot of people, it seemed like there were no good films. But before we get to our recommendations, let's quickly hear a word about our sponsor for today's episode. So round of Clappercast, we like to end on the crew's latest film recommendations. Uh, I might as well start off this week. Uh, I'm going to recommend 2000's Red Planet. I recommend this for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's underrated and it's fantastic. And everyone shits on this film that I've seen online talk about the film, but it's like legitimately great. Um, But also because Clapper launched a brand new podcast, our second podcast we um, have Uncut Gems, our own Jakob Flaz, is hosting it um, every other week, I believe it is right now, uh, though it might be coming every week, I guess a little scoop for you on ClapperCast. Uh, He talks about a film that uh, has gone unnoticed, lost to history, um, and does it deserve to be uh, re-evalued? Uh, this week we was supposed to be Mission to Mars, or I guess actually last week it was released. We talked about Mission to Mars, uh, but it quickly kind of turned into a conversation of just praising Red Planet. So I'd recommend Red Planet. It's a fun, uh, cheesy, granted, but very fun uh, Mars movie from the early 2000s uh, that I cannot recommend enough. So what are your recommendations for the week? Why don't we start with Hillary?
2: Um, I actually don't have any recommendations this week i was looking kind of uh, around to see like oh what should i push or whatever um i mentioned a lot of films during this podcast that kind of branch off of the things we've seen um especially the alternatives to seeing a promising young woman if it's not exactly what you want to see if you want to see something more violent more in the vein of <laughs> once upon a time in hollywood uh have at it um Maybe I'll put up a list on Letterboxd of rape revenge films that might make people feel a little bit more, uh, (laughs) revengey, but, um, they're, they're not necessarily what, um, I would like, or or recommend. I think promising young woman is, uh, definitely worth the watch and the time. So I'll put up a list like that, but other than that, I don't really have anything to recommend right now.
3: Jacob. All right, I'm not sure if this is against the rules, but I've got a TV show, uh, Big Sky, David E. Kelly fans. I would hop on this. Uh, also, Twin Peaks fans, maybe not David Lynch fans because I definitely think it's more Twin Peaks than Lynchian. But so far, five episodes in, this thing's the best network show I've seen since Hannibal, and it returns Tuesday.
1: Perfect. Alex? All right, so in the, I guess in the wake of the, uh, the whole Capitol storming in D.C., sort of lighthearted take on I guess like characters that uh, are able to enter the White House or at least federal grounds is Dick from 1999 and you're right it's called Dick and it is uh just a fun time you know not a great film or anything but it's Kirsten Dunst it's Michelle Williams as these two kind of uh clueless teens who kind of wander into the White House and become advisors to President Nixon it's really fun it's really funny it's got an early Will Ferrell performance as Uh, Bob Woodward which is kind of amazing actually so that's my recommendation
4: yeah and Alistair um so every time I'm asked to recommend something I always seem to pick something incredibly depressing and harrowing um but now I'm I'm going to put something on that while not a light-hearted uh film is certainly a lot lighter than anything that I've recommended and I believe Uh, It comes to Netflix in the US and internationally from next month, so it's one to put on your radar. It's a a British coming-of-age film called Rocks, which was uh, released here last year, but is now finally uh, going to get uh, international viewing. Um, It is one of the better British coming-of-age films in recent memory, Uh, and it takes a storyline that, on the face of it, seems like it would just be so tragic and distressing to watch and just... It's it's filled with hope, and 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 a, sen- a sense of optimism that I feel is often missed from a lot of like social realist coming of age films. Um, but yeah, it's it's called Rocks and it should be on Netflix next month. So yeah, please please check it out. It's great.
0: Perfect. And with that, that's going to be it for this week's episode of Clappercast. Where can we find everyone on social media? Uh, why don't you start, Alex?
3: I'm just on Letterbox at uh, HAKH34. Jacob. I am Jacob underscore R underscore
2: Alan.
0: Perfect. Hillary.
2: Um, You can find me on Letterboxd at uh, Laudanum at 33. And you can also find things right about film at, on a WordPress called The Holy Shrine.
4: And Alistair. Um, my letterbox name, I believe, is still Cinemole. So please look for Cinemole. And if you can't find that, just search Alistair Ryder, And uh, yeah, my Letterboxd will appear.
0: Perfect. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews or on letterbox just Carson Tamar. And you can find the, all the latest releases of film and television reviewed at www.clapperltd.co.uk and find our social links on Clapper at Facebook, Clapper LTD on Letterboxd, and Clapper LTD on Twitter. As well as now we have a Clapper YouTube. I have no clue what the URL, but if you look on our website, you can find a link there. Uh, make sure to rate, subscribe, and follow us to be notified when the new episode gets released every single Wednesday. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema.